The Fake Show Podcast welcomes our newest sponsor, one of the premier recording studios in Las Vegas, The Tone Factory. Also, thank you to the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, Moonshot.com, The Craft House Brewery, Mr. Antenna, and Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. It's The Fake Show with Jim Tofty. After all these years, and George Takei is probably still best known as Hikaru Sulu, the helmsman of the USS Enterprise in the iconic TV series Star Trek and in many of the feature films, now George releases his new memoir, They Called Us Enemy, recalling his time when his entire family was forced from their American home and into an internment camp. George, welcome back to the show. It's always a pleasure. Good to be talking to you, Jim, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Your new memoir looks very interesting. Who did you collaborate with? Because the graphic illustrations are beautiful. Isn't the uh, artwork fantastic? It's, yeah. It's a wonderfully talented uh, uh, a graphic uh, uh, artist called Harmony Becker. She is fantastic with a squiggle or a dot or a swoop. She can change the expression of people. She is really a, a, a gifted artist, and uh, I tell the story that has a lot of emotions in it. Uh, I tell the story from uh, the eyes of five-year-old me. Uh, we, uh, as uh, a five-year-old, I was imprisoned together with my family uh, in a barbed wire prison camp in the swamps of Arkansas, simply because we happened to look like the people that bombed Pearl Harbor. We're yeah. Americans. I was born in Los Angeles. My mother was born in Sacramento, California. My father was a San Franciscan. And yet, simply because of our ancestry, Japanese, my grandparents came from Japan. And we happened to be at war with Japan. And so they rounded us up with no charges. We had no trial. Due process, the central pillar of our justice system, simply disappeared, and we were imprisoned for the duration of the war. You had said that They Called Us Enemy, is the name of your memoir, is really a cautionary tale of our past leaders' mistakes. What was Roosevelt thinking? Was he being pressured by his advisors? What? Because it just seemed out of character for him, or am I missing something? No, it was the single, the, the, uh, the slogan, lock up the Japs, which is an ugly word. Yeah was the rallying cry and the single most popular issue in the United States at that time. Every elected official was on that bandwagon. We had an attorney general in California. who uh, He was a, 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 the top attorney of the state of California, but he had his eyes on the uh, governor's seat. So he, this attorney general who knows the Constitution, who knows the law, got in front of the issue and made an amazing statement. We have no reports of spying or sabotage or fifth column activities by Japanese Americans, and that is ominous because the Japanese are inscrutable. That's that old stereotype. Yeah. And tell, tell what they're thinking, so it would be prudent to lock them up before they do anything. So the absence of evidence was the evidence for this attorney general. And he became very popular, and he got elected governor, and he was reelected twice, or three terms uh, as governor of California, and then was appointed to be the chief justice 
of the United States Supreme Court, and he goes down on history as a liberal Supreme Court Chief Justice. His name was Earl Warren. The so-called liberal Supreme Court Chief Justice became a, 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 a national politician by advocating the imprisonment of innocent people because it'd be prudent to lock us up before we do anything. What did it take to finally free all of the families that were wrongly imprisoned? It was the end of the war. Four That's years, it. and then the gate. So, you know, as irrational as it was to uh, round us up on these uh, ridiculous charges, yeah. of possible spying, uh, then when the war ends, suddenly we're free. I mean, it was completely a rational thing that four decades later, President Ronald Reagan had to apologize for. He said it was a grave error, and he signed the Civil Liberties Act, which uh, 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 paid a $20,000 token redress for all the losses and, and the suffering uh, uh, endured by the Japanese Americans. George, when it ended, did your parents think for a moment, let's get out of this country? Oh, no. It, it didn't end uh, just because the war ended. The hostility was still intense. Yeah. Uh, the uh, 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 My parents d uh, decided to go back to Los Angeles, but there was no housing. There was no uh, jobs available. Our first home was on Skid Row in downtown Los Angeles. And to us kids, the worst part of the internment was being released. Skid Row was a horror. I mean, chaos, uh, screaming, yelling, smelly, ugly uh, 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 people uh, staggering around, leaning on the walls, fighting each other, brawling, you know, women shrieking and pulling at each other's hair, sirens shrieking day and night, and our Skid Row room would uh, at night just glow red uh, with the uh, police uh, car lights. I mean, it was a horrific thing. So it didn't end with the war uh, ending. I mean, it, the whole thing was com from the beginning to end totally irrational and total chaos. No control over it. Jo this was both you know, it was, and I, I uh, wrote this uh, graphic memoir as a comic strip uh, uh, drawn by this gifted artist, Harmony uh, Becker, uh, so that young people, young Americans, uh, young adults can uh, uh, find an easy way to get into the story seen from the eyes of uh, five-year-old me and then introduce them to the larger horror that my parents were going through, being stripped of everything that they had worked for, and prisoned, and, you know, they're Americans, innocent Americans who had nothing to do with Pearl Harbor. And here we are, you know, this cycle, this endless cycle of uh, these horrors uh, uh, inflict, uh, inflicted upon uh, uh, minority people. It's going on again now with a new low. Yeah children being torn away from their parents. We were intact with our family when we were imprisoned. George, I'm reminded in the news lately of the Stonewall riots that were 50 years ago and, and certainly helped, helped power the gay rights movement. Where were you at that moment? I was still a closeted actor in Los Angeles. Yeah. And I heard about it in a gay bar. And yeah. uh, it was... Uh, 
uh, uh, uh, galvanizing in many ways, but I had a career to, uh, to protect. You know, that's the horrible thing about being uh, closeted. Here, that started the uh, uh, gay, gay, uh, um, gay liberation movement, and I wanted to be a part of that. This issue was very close to me, and yet I was silent. I was, I was outspoken. I was part of the civil rights movement, the peace movement during the Vietnam War. I was uh, very active in the uh, uh, campaign to get an apology and redress for uh, our unjust imprisonment. And yet, on this issue that was so personal to me, I was silent. The same year, the same summer of, uh, of uh, Stonewall was when Star Trek, that, uh, where I'd been employed for three straight years regularly, uh, was canceled. Right. I was unemployed, an unemployed actor. And so I stayed silent until 2005. I mean, that's a long time. And not only did I carry the, uh, the burden of, uh, of a closeted gay guy, but also the burden of guilt. I mean, here as an activist on all these other social justice issues and seeing other people, men and women, sacrificing everything and my silence made it a torturous experience for me until uh, finally on two th in 2005 uh, when Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was the governor of California, vetoed the marriage equality bill in California that I decided to come out and spoke to the press for the first time as a gay man and blasted Schwarzenegger's veto. And I've been active on the, uh, the uh, gay rights movement uh, ever since as well. He's coming out with a book on that soon, too. But, uh, this graphic memoir on uh, my childhood imprisonment. And a few weeks later, on August 12th, I'm coming out with a 10-part miniseries called The Terror Infamy, a dramatization of the uh, internment of Japanese Americans on AMC. So this summer is the summer of internment for me. <laughs> the summer of George, yes. George Takei's they call us enemy, and we look forward to that, the terror infamy on AMC. Always great to talk to you, George. I appreciate it, and good luck with all the stuff you got going on. Thank you very much. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. He is eternally young at 82 years old. George Takei's memoir is available now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and all major bookstores. Well, that is the end of this edition of The Fake Show. I'm Jim Tofty, and I will see you back here next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.